te veel zinnen, te veel woorden draaien in hun kop. Te veel woorden, te veel muren, te veel uren tikken langzaam op. Te veel mensen, te veel draaien, te veel mensen draaien er omheen. Te veel mensen, te veel zinnen. Te veel woorden voor een mens alleen. Mag het licht uit, mag het licht uit, mag het licht uit. And we are live once again on the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome all. Um, I am here today with Ashley from The Occult Unveiled and, of course, my fiance Firefay and since that a special day is coming up where you buy a whole lot of flowers <laughs> and a whole lot of chocolate and a whole lot of candy to prove that you love someone um I thought it'd be very appropriate to talk about the history of that special day of Valentine's Day and that's exactly what Ashley is here for. So Ashley, thank you for coming. Um, introduce yourself a bit. What do you do? Where are you? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And um, my name is Ashley. I am a hermetic priestess and I have a podcast called The Occult Unveiled, which we are airing our fourth season on Valentine's Day. And we're going to be talking about love, sex and the occult from an Eastern or Tantric perspective. Ah, fascinating. Yes. I love that. So, Valentine's Day, what's, what is it about? Um, I mean, it's obviously not about buying heaps <laughs> of candy and no. flowers. It's, it's definitely not always, always been like that. So, how did it get started? So, in the truest form, Valentine's Day quote-unquote Valentine's Day actually goes all the way back to ancient Greek but we don't have a lot of history the scholars did not talk um, a lot about that the research that I'm going to be pulling from comes from the American Institute of Roman or Rome research or archaeological excavations and the first thing we have to understand is that the Romans had a different conception of how time worked so for us modern people our end of the year is in december but for the romans it was in february or frebrua which means purification so the whole february. month of, okay. mm -hmm. so the whole month of february is dedicated to the purification of the people and the land so before even fertility gets involved, which comes in later, of course, we know that things evolve and change. It was about purifying. So this is a pretty interesting festival that was held called Lupercalia on February 15th. This was done by the Lupercal or the, uh, the Luperci, which is the priests of the Brotherhood of the Wolf. And if you know anything about Roman history, you know that the two founders, Romulus and Ramus, were raised by a she-wolf. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, it's a fascinating story. Um, wolves in many 
many Asian cultures have always played a uh, a big role. They sure did. And so in um, in ancient Rome, that was called Lu like Luperth, L-U-P-E-R was the name of the she-wolf. And the brotherhood, the priests would go to a hill called the Lupercal, which was the sacred site where these two mythical heroes were raised by the she-wolf. The Vestal Virgins would create an offering of salted cakes, and then there would be a big sacrifice. So the sacrifice included a goat, sometimes two, and then a wolf, not a wolf, a dog, because the dog <laughs> is the adversary of the wolf. So after the, the blood sacrifice, this is where it gets kind of strange. Mm -hmm. The sacrificial knife is taken by the high priest and the priests are anointed on the forehead with the blood of the goat or the dog. Okay. And then it would be wiped away with milk and wool. After the wiping, after the purification aspect of the ritual, the priests were required to laugh. And nobody really knows why. There's some occult meaning there, perhaps laughing in the face of death, laughing for joy. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really sound like a, a laughing matter. And, you know, when I get blood smeared on my face, last thing I'm thinking about is, is laughing. Um, or joy. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. You just, uh, I mean, I guess because laughter... Like you could say it's like really joyous being alive and then like the mm -hmm. opposite, like just having done a, a sacrifice. So you have that, that duality, that, that dualism. Right. It's, uh, but it's, it's an odd habit, but I mean, the, it, the, it's really the Romans themselves. Uh, yeah. yeah. That to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> so after the sacrifice uh, was done, there would be a large feast. Um, where, of course, we do not waste our sacrifices. They would be cooked and eaten. Afterwards, the hide of the goat and the dog would be torn up into thin, long pieces called thongs. So mm, we get to see okay. how the modern underwear, the back of it is a representation of what Romans would call a thong. So, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I can see that. So then the priests would run naked through the city and they would whip the crops. They would whip the people for purification purposes. Whipping for purification. Okay. Yeah. Pretty strange. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad we're talking about, you know, ancient Rome because you most certainly do not have to try that uh, today. No. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I've I've heard about that before, and the whipping that wasn't just you know a like tap that was actual, yeah, actual it wasn't whipping, gentle. like pretty pretty violent. Mm -hmm. And the royal women, the women of high standing nature, would actually go out and stand in front of the crowd with a desire to be hit, because they believe that the purification would bring them more fertility. And that is where this confusion came from, that Lupercalia is a fertile ritual. It, it, it includes fertility in that some people believed 
that through purification you will become more fertile. But at its genesis, the priests believed that it was supposed to be for purification to prepare for the new year. Yeah, I can I can see that, you know, with March and um, the spring solstice and all coming coming back around and the whole land and animals coming back alive. I can see how you would want to be purified before you know mm-hmm. going into the the fertility phase most definitely yeah that's it's always always the um, the elites the the higher <laughs> echelons who who want the most i guess some things really really do don't change <laughs> never change no no exactly um but how how did we get from whipping priests in a thong which is a combination of words i thought i would never say (laughs) to buying flowers and chocolates i mean you hear that with pretty much every holiday or big special day that it's become oh so commercialized and (sighs) and it's right and, and where do those um the the cherubim angels you know like um little chubby babies uh, yeah like cupid and all i I mean i guess babies and fertility i kind of kind of get that but where where does that come from that's it's so opposite it's it's it is changed so much so lupercalia was actually banned uh, by the roman catholic church around 300 then uh, later about 100 years later in the 400s, it became the Feast of St. Valentine. And Valentine, this Christian holiday, there's a couple of different ideas. Um, First of all, there were a lot of different Valentines. So which saint was it is kind of still a mystery. Now, the Catholic Church will tell you it's the Valentine who was marrying couples in the name of Jesus. And when he was Mm -hmm. put into jail, he would write letters that were signed your Valentine. And that is where oh, we get that phrase right, from. Right. I, I remember that story. Yeah. And mm-hmm. of course, of course the church would accept it if it's done, you know, know. by a saint of theirs and the mm-hmm. old pagan things. No, 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 that's, that's bad. Let's get rid of that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I remember the story about, like right. your Valentine, it's, it's coming back now. It's fascinating. Yeah, isn't that cool how it, it rings some bells? So it wasn't until about a thousand years later when an English poet, an author named Geoffrey Chaucer, started writing his works. A lot of people will be um, more familiar with his popular works, uh, The Canterbury Tales. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with them, yeah. So he actually wrote... There's he wrote several things, but it is from him that Valentine's Day starts to take on this more modern approach, particularly with doves. So in his tale, um, it's Parliament of something. I can't remember the last word. He wrote that on Valentine's Day, the birds would mate together. And so this was then turned into a dove which is a representation of what christ or of spirit yeah you know pure pure heart pure soul a white dove 
yeah, right. I can see that. So funny how that's the purification still mm-hmm. still in there. That's that's pretty cool. And then he would also write about the Greek god of Eros, which was the Roman god as well. But this god was very, very buff and would sharpen his swords and arrows um, in order to uh, to do <laughs> whatever the god wants. And <laughs> <laughs> quite frankly, um, Chaucer really exalts him. Uh, and a lot of his works about being the god of love, being the god of passion. And so that's where we start to see, and this is around 1400, right before the Renaissance Mm. era. And then his works greatly influenced the Renaissance all the way up until the Victorian era. And that's where we start to see the commercialization of your Valentine. Really, back in the Victorian era already. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's way earlier than I thought it would be. I thought it was more of a a modern thing. That's shocking, actually. Yeah, it goes quite far back, and that's where we get our little chubby Cupid. So shop sellers and card makers wanted to soften the god Eros, who's this really yeah. buff man who has these arrows and swords, and so they're like, well, what if we made him? A cute little chubby baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't imagine the the god being too being too pleased yeah. about that. But I I do understand from a commercial perspective that um, that a cute chubby baby sells a lot better with uh, with the general public, exactly. so to speak. I, I I mean there there is definitely a niche for just you know big buff guts. Um, like we all know people who, uh, who like that, but for the general public and for money-making purposes, um, yeah, a small, cute, uh, cherub would definitely sell a lot better. Um, exactly. Yeah. So that's where you that's... really start to see that, that change in commercialization where it became about, so we have we understand where your Valentine came from. We see the imagery that we have now of modern Valentine's Day, of hearts, of Cupid, of doves, and then Victorians actually were very um, they didn't vocalize their feelings a lot. So flowers had a language, and depending. Yeah on the type of flower that you would give your Valentine meant something. And that's why red roses became very popular on Valentine's day because it represents passion and uh, a form of vibrant love. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I definitely remember reading that. Definitely do. It's like when I was younger, that's all I read too. And it's like, it talking about this makes sense now. Mm -hmm. Cause like even, Growing up in a very religious home, um, hearing this, it's like my grandmother even talked about this. And she was very religious. So it's interesting that it carries through all different religions, too. It certainly is. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Why doesn't it surprise me that that you have read those stories over and over again? Well, my grandmother used to talk about it because she had a green thumb, you know, she Mm. was the kind of grandmother that I wish I could be because I have a black thumb, sad to say, but (laughs) she would literally would be able to take a rose from a stem that she would get from, you know, a garden from a friend 
and she was able to grow it into this immaculate, beautiful rose bush. And wow. she would tell me the different meanings of the different flowers, like white roses are pure and innocent. Mm -hmm. Red would represent the passion, like, you know, Ashley was saying it was the passion, it was raw, it was unfiltered love for your partner and your person of interest. And then pink was that friendly love. Mm -hmm. Flirtatious even, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yellows were friendship. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So if that. you it's like the yellow rose of Texas. Yes. So if you got a bush of yellow roses on Valentine's Day, that basically meant you were being friend zoned. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds that sounds bad, Valentine's Day, but that's it's so so fascinating all those those stories and how for back it goes and even like with the with the clothing with the thongs like that's still i mean something we uh we associate with being more more erotic right in a way um, and fertility right yeah. we're trying to arouse um yeah. so yeah i think that i was that was probably my favorite part of this research was being like wow thongs were invented back in ancient rome <laughs> Because <laughs> I honestly yeah, but, thought it was like back in the twenties, after like women wanted to liberate themselves. Yeah, I think that you're right. I think that's where the clothing item became very popular. But the idea of the strip <clears throat> is oh. where is where no, the thong. You. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. And once again, a thing um, initially worn by men, yes. which is funny because the same it's the same with. Um, with high heels that was oh. always worn by um by french royalty because you know it would make it would uh give them that that grand stature and i mean especially french royalty in the um like in the enlightenment era with you mm -hmm. know the the big colorful puffy clothing and the huge wigs and all which was also to hide their bald head from syphilis yes. um which is another part, unfortunately, that's the the wrong kind of, uh, like the wrong stuff you get from loving. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but like now it's really a thing, again, associated with uh, with the feminine, you know, a, a beautiful woman in high heels, like name me one man that doesn't, doesn't like to see that. And yeah. it's, it's so funny how that's, I mean, it's not really like roles reversed, but I guess at a certain point we started to realize that, hey, it actually looks better on women. <laughs> you know, there was, um, there was a funny little cartoon that I saw. It was of Jesus's disciples, who were a lot of them were fishermen, and one of them got tangled up in fishnets. And they said, hey, does Paul look sexy now? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's bad. Yeah, that's funny. That's, really... <laughs> that's pretty. I can see my grandparents rolling around in their grave right now. That one. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but it's just interesting. Even like you know, it comes back to the fact that my grandparents, being religious like they were, she was telling me the different symbolizations that you can do for your significant other. I mean, even women would do this. 
from what I'm understanding. Is that correct, Ashley? Yes, you were sitting there, so you heard different flowers and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was especially because women did not speak very much during the Victorian era. They'd use not just their flowers, but they'd also use fans. And the way that they touched the fan to their cheek or to their chest actually indicated different desires. Hmm. This is a good question from Kylie about Aphrodite, who is, of course, assumed to be another goddess of love. Did she also have a um, a certain significance during Valentine's, or was she just one of the gods associated with uh, with love and erotica? So I know that she did have something to do with the rose as well. Um, Aphrodite is often uh, attributed to be the, the creator of the rose. The other thing I want to say here is that oh. Eros or Cupid is the son of Aphrodite. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes, that makes a lot of sense now, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the quick overview of the story of how the rose was created was that when uh, Aphrodite's lover, Adonis, was severely wounded, uh, his blood and tears mixed together as they fell, and she took them and formed the red rose. That's interesting how it's interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, it's, and it's interesting how so many uh, so many stories um, about the color red involve uh, involve some kind of blood or bleeding. Because I know, yes. for example, with the um, the robin who has, of course, that you know that that red chest mm -hmm. was said to be a um, just your your average bird. But then, I believe he like landed or came sitting down on Jesus's head on the cross with the, mm. you know, with the, the bleeding the, heart. I remember that story. Yeah, the yeah the bleeding heart and the drop of his blood actually landed on the bird's chest, and that's why he has a red wow. red chest now. I mean, it's something along robin, like those head lines. On, honey, if you look at the robin, it does look like the shape of a heart. I mean, they're always too fast for me. So <laughs> I have robins in my backyard, so I'm able to observe. I'll uh, uh, I'll sick Timmy on them next time. No. So, <laughs> uh, so the modern heart that we're familiar with. Let me make sure that I have my. I want my facts correct on this. So, sure. um, the modern heart that we see today that looks like this. Yeah. Um, is actually a butt. Yes. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was two halves of an anatomical heart put together. That's one of the the ideas as well. The more sexualized symbol, uh, the symbol that comes from that is the butt, and that came from where is this? Um, so, there's a couple of different news outlets that talk about it, um, but the one that I'm looking at specifically here is Aaron Chivaron. The, a researcher, but I thought that was so interesting because you're right. The anatomical heart is too scary for the Victorian women. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's super cool. I think it's beautiful in a way. Yeah, but, but you know, we're we're an odd bunch, and I 
can imagine that for your um, your average Victorian woman. But if come to me during the Victorian era and show me an anatomical heart, and it's like, okay, I'm yours forever. Yeah, okay, but that's you, <laughs> darling. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think your think average you woman are... to to literally get a heart in a box would be kind of. Yeah. Very, very upset. They'd faint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the classic. Uh, oh, which is another romanticized image in of itself. Yeah, I think it's really but, interesting to look at all the different aspects of Valentine's Day and see how it all ties back to Eros. It all ties back to, to different kinds of love regarding passion. Yeah. The butt. Okay, that that makes sense. I've actually seen those kinds of pictures of you know in like a, a bath with just a layer of foam and just that um, that part being you know being risen above the foam. And I always thought there was you know kind of a wink wink nudge nudge uh, cheeky picture. But it's funny that that's actually one of the images that the modern shape of the the heart comes from. I also have to wonder who made that, right? I don't know who was the first person. And you know what? I would really love to believe that they did say that it was the anatomical heart cut in half, but I'm sure someone somewhere saw that and was like, that's a butt. <laughs> that has, it has to be a man. Like it just. I wasn't going to yeah. say it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm, oh, I'll, I'll speak for my own gender. I know, I know. <laughs> I was just waiting for him to take credit for that because I was like, that's a man thing. <laughs> totally I mean, a man it, thing. It is. Prove me wrong. <laughs> nope. Uh, the other thing. Yeah, I, I forgot which one of you mentioned it. You were talking about um, Jesus on the cross and then, yeah. um, so the symbol of the heart being shot by an arrow is not just related to Cupid and arrows, but also has a, a Catholic or a Christian meaning behind it of the, um, the sacred heart of Jesus or the immaculate heart of Mary, where in the crucifixion story, the lance of Longinus hits Jesus on the side of his ribs where water yeah. and blood pours out. Where else do we see water and blood in oh, the Aphrodite story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caught in a so, in a cup, which is another another um, whole another story. <laughs> which is which is female symbolism, you know the yeah yeah yeah. Oh, that's and fascinating. So you, right, so you see the heart now being pierced with this arrow, and a lot of Christian symbolism and Christian Valentine's Day cards. It represents the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Oh, church taking another pagan thing and making it their own. What else is new? Yeah, you see how it gets recapitulated through all these different cultures. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all like so many cultures and religions like we all take from each other I've and, seen that in Native and make American it our own. Too, as someone was Native, mm. I've seen that in Native American art too, where they have Which the is... heart and the arrow shot through it. Which is as far removed from Catholicism or Christianity I mean, as can don't be. Quote me. but... I could be completely wrong. No, but I, I, I would definitely say it's a, a thing coming back in, in many cultures. And isn't also the classic image 
um, like the um, the flaming heart, uh, fire face. Yeah. You said the the burning heart. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a, that's another image heart, of the honey. sacred, the bleeding heart. Yeah, bleeding heart, but, but I've also seen burning, too. burning hearts. Yeah, yeah, like burning with desire or burning a longing or. So that's an interesting symbol because there's a lot of and um, there's a lot of symbolism there. But the idea of burning is a form of purification. So Jesus's heart is purifying um, the sins of the world. That's where that comes from. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's nice. Is the 12, uh, 12 years of Catholic school finally means something now. <laughs> <laughs> finally paying off. I wasn't Catholic, but it's just, it's interesting, like, even growing up in the sect that I did, and also with my dad's side, it's just interesting that they talked about the same thing, but they were mm -hmm. two different kinds of Christianities right there. Yeah, there's something really special about symbols that capture our minds and our hearts. And it doesn't have to be just depending on um, a specific, uh, you know, a specific section of Christianity, but it's really across the world. We see symbols repeating over and over again. I mean, isn't that Confucius, his, uh, his famous quotes, uh, signs and symbols rule this world, not, mm -hmm. um, not laws, nor rules or something like that i'm always mixing it up but i mean it's like we still use it today symbols you know emojis those are symbols i mean if anything we're pretty much going back to hieroglyphs because you can make whole sentences with just emojis and people will actually understand what it says that's pretty cool so symbols symbols they have a a certain a certain power it's uh, you know in in so many you know, rituals, symbols will be used either as a representation of that power or to infuse it um, with that power. Certain, you know, acts can be symbolic. Um, mm -hmm. I know with um, the ancient Greeks and definitely the Romans, I mean, you know, the whole Roman culture or a lot of Roman culture was basically Greek. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the whole, um, like the theater and, um, you know, acts being performed, there was a, a ritual in of itself wearing mm -hmm. masks to symbolize the gods and all. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting how symbols, how that keeps, um, how it keeps coming back, how you keep seeing it in um in so many so many ways and so many forms and this is another good question from uh from king kylie it is kind of but um group orgies speaking of rituals to honor deities and all i know that the romans loved their um their orgies and i have um, I have worked a while as a sort of open air museum of sorts where they, mm. uh, they did teach me that, you know, certain Roman, well, what we call, what we would now call dinner parties could go on for a week straight. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> so is that like, is that another thing that was practiced, you know, just 
group loving, if you will? So I know that the god Dionysus enjoyed mm. that kind of work. And I know that the oh. Dionysian dinner parties, which you're referring to, did include group sex, as well as Saturnalia, which is the, uh, the Roman celebration for the winter solstice on December 17th also included um, that kind of uh, orgies. However, I, I'm not sure if it was ever done for fertility, but what was done, now this is legend. There's some evidence that this existed, but some people think that it was just, you know, a legend that during the month of February or Frebrua in the mm-hmm. Roman calendar, that on the day of Lupercalia, after the women and the crops had been whipped, the single women in the in the town or city would place all of their names into a vessel or a jar. Mm-hmm. And then the eligible bachelors would then pick out the name of a woman and they would be coupled together. And this coupling lasted for about a week. And in some cases, the couples did fall in love and got married. That reminds me of Sabrina. The two yes. pictures of Sabrina, what they did in that episode where they would, the there was single ladies and then they would put their names in a hat, I think from what I remember. And then they would draw. And that's why people were fighting over Nick, if I remember correct. Right. And so that does come from a potentially historically accurate, uh, let's say, part of the festival. Because they Mm. did Santronilia, from what I remember. Mm -hmm. I just haven't seen it in a while. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podcasting Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. That's, I mean, it's another practice you really won't, won't see today. Although it's, it's always, I mean, the, you know, the picking and coupling of, um, you know, single men and women I remember from, like even the the kids parties I went to back, yeah. um, you know, always with the the slow dancing. You'd have the um, the boys on one side and the girls on one on the other side, and it's always like up to the boys to, you know, pick the girl to kind mm-hmm. of slow dance with, but at that awkward like arm's length because you know <laughs> you're you're 10, 11 years old and it's all very exciting. Or it was like me and my group of friends because, you know, we were the awkward group. Even though I was in football, we'd all dance together because we were just like, screw we don't need a man. (laughs) Aww. I don't, let's see. I think my first dance that I remember I was in seventh grade and I think there was one slow dance song, but I don't think I danced with anybody. Like, I don't think I was, I was kind of not a 
about dating in that part of my life. That's <laughs> where I was just like, screw it. We don't need a man, guys. We're 13. We don't need a man. <laughs> I just like wasn't impressed with my, my pickings. I was like, mm. oh, I know the feeling. I was in a very small town and it was a very small middle school. And oh, you had the stoner yeah. kids and then you had the football kids and then you had the loner kids that were part of the football kids. It was, it was weird. Are we the same person? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we grew up in the same area. We, we really did. It sounds very similar to what I experienced. And I think, um, you know, one thing I do miss about childhood, though, is I did like having, like, my little mailbox for my Valentine's. You know, when you're, like, eight years old, yes. six or seven years old, everyone and you could. The thing that I loved, and I wish my son would have experienced it, too, was you could choose who you gave your Valentine's to. Like mm-hmm. Susie Q gets the one I hate you one, and then the guy that you had a crush on had the the pretty one, right? Yeah. And then nowadays, where when my son was in school, they could decorate their boxes, but they had to do it at home. But mm-hmm. here's the other thing: when they were at lunch recess, the teachers would put the Valentine's in the box. That's themselves. no fun. That's no fun. No, and it that's... was just like it would have to say. I'm not going to say my son's name, so I'm going to say Fireface Son. It would have to say from Fireface Son, and you couldn't put two on there at all. Aw, that's no fun. And they would deliver it. The teachers would deliver it themselves. And if they noticed that one of them was not so nice, and they would bring their little box of Valentine's, if there was one in there, like, saying, um, even Peppy Le Pew would choose you or something. If they saw something like that, they would say hey you need to make a new one for Susie Q Hmm. I mean that defeats the whole purpose of Valentine like especially for for young boys because that's Mm -hmm. like the day when you you know when you give that that sneaky letter to you know the girl in class you've had a crush on for the last year Mm -hmm. I mean I I definitely remember I remember those days Oh yeah, who was your Valentine when you were like six years old? When I was six, oh damn, that was um, <laughs> this girl. I um, I was just the, the biggest friends with. I guess like a childlike dating sort of, but uh, <laughs> we we Tyler. knew <laughs> um, Yannicka, which is a it's a it's a very Dutch name, but she, oh. uh, but she lived uh, in the Hague, which really mm-hmm. isn't as isn't that far from where I lived with my parents, which is mm-hmm. um, like right across the um, the neighborhood from where I live now. I live at a uh, a stone's throw from my uh, my birthplace, my birth house, even. Mm. Um, but yeah, I knew her from daycare even where I went for the first time when I was like two years, three years old. And of course, later in life, you know, you kind of, you know, you develop as your own individual. You you have, you each have your, your own life, Mm -hmm. but I can, I can definitely say that she was my, my first crush and my first girlfriend if you will, um, of course, in like an innocent yeah, childhood like manner, because yeah, you know you had you had no idea 
what you were doing and even if you were doing something it's like yeah. <laughs> well, that's the, I don't the know. funny thing with mine sorry honey but with mine Tyler was one of the popular kids and girls uh. fought over him all mm. the time <laughs> like childhood fights on the playground meet me at the swings oh. <laughs> it was bad for a Christian kind of school it was a very private school and my granddad was on the board and i remember tyler asked me to be his valentine and the girl i can remember her name Corey. oh she was when she found out that tyler asked me to be his valentine it was world war three <laughs> <laughs> so uh -oh. she quite literally <laughs> wanted to take a swing at you at the swings I was tiny. I'm very short. I'm very, very short. So when she said, meet me at the swings, I'm thinking, okay, she's not going to hit me. She swung the swing and it hit her back in the face. <laughs> Instant karma. Suit so, so you right. Suit so you right. Well, she tried so hard to hit me with it. And I duck. And because I'm so short, it hit her right back in the face. She runs to my teacher. <laughs> she's like, she's hit me with the swing. And everyone looked around her. You know, and she's crying, and they looked at her. Um, no, she swung the swing at Keely, and it hit her in the face. Oops, oh, <laughs> backfire. So it was funny, and then like you know, I got called into the principal's office, and I was just like, it was a simple misunderstanding. I just ducked, and she got hit. <laughs> Not my fault. <laughs> nope. So. It was just funny, and I just remember being that person. And I remember because my mom was a librarian at the school. Mm -hmm. I was holding hands with him, and my mom was like, "What is this?" And I was like, "I don't know." Aw. Well, oh. <laughs> no, but I mean, Valentine's has become like big business yeah. now, like films kind of stuff, and though. chocolates and <sighs> just. I mean, I, I haven't really seen uh, seen much commercials yet. Then again, I don't have uh, cable TV or digital TV. They don't uh, do it as ex much. explicitly for that Super reason. Na or Super Bowl Sunday—that's what's mostly going on right yeah, now. Yeah, but that's that's in the U.S., honey. I'm not in the U.S. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Oh, where are you based out of? Netherlands. Oh. I love the Netherlands. I would really like to live there one day. Just don't live in Amsterdam. Coming Why not Amsterdam? Who doesn't live there? <sighs> because Amsterdam, I mean, Amsterdam is, is fine. Just stay out of the city center. You know, speaking of commercialized, it's, it's just become another metropolis uh, wanting to mm. be like all the other bigger uh, cities. Um, I mean, I outside of the city center, kind of where my uh, my siblings live. It's fine, I guess. But if you want to uh, experience the Netherlands in its most beautiful true and its form. most true true form, either the Flower Bulb region, where my uh, my mother and my mother's family is from, or um... can we go itch somewhere else? There is, is a or... bugging you again. Oh, is there a cat? Yeah, my my kitty co-host uh, oh, Timmy, a, uh, a bit a big red cat. Um, I have a big red cat too, somewhere. 
<laughs> he's big. I mean, Timothy is huge. Hello, baby. This boy. is Timmy. I love him. Hi, Timmy. <laughs> yeah, it's just he really has become my uh, my kitty co-host. Uh, well, and if I break out the tarot cards, I'm sure my cat will will come. Sounds <laughs> like my familiar. She'll do the same thing. Um, oh yeah. Oh, it looks like we have another question down there. How can a modern witch or cultist incorporate the traditional practices of Lubricalia? Well, I guess it's a good go question. Ahead. Yeah, I think purification, right, is is probably the most base form of this, of purifying yourself, doing kinds of um I will don't recommend whipping yourself. Um probably probably not the best way to do that. Um, unless you're into that, then, you know, by all means. Yeah, you know. Touch me it's with a whipping totally... guy, dear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I know. I know. You're an innocent little fae. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I would recommend is, you know, honoring where we're coming towards. We're coming towards springtime. So when it comes to fertility, cleansing yourself, preparing for spring, and also um, clearing your heart. I mean, I like to use this day to clear out any ill will that I have towards anyone or any pain that I've been harboring, especially as we come out of winter time. We see that the darkness, uh, it's time to, darkness is not bad, but it can taint us. So let's cleanse it and move forward into springtime with an open and clean heart. And how about like cleaning and clearing the home? You know, home is Absolutely. where the heart is. Mm -hmm. So you know a, a bit that. of bit of early spring spring cleaning um, mm -hmm. that can yeah so yeah thank you King Kylie for that um, for that question because um, I mean that's you know that's the whole thing with um, like traditional practices and all like the, um, the big thing is how do we incorporate that into the modern age. So, well, then here's yeah, my question since my partner can tell you, I am not into the Valentine's Day at all. I don't believe mm -hmm. in the commercialized at all. What is something him and I can do together to celebrate it without being commercialized? Oh, so this gets into the occult and veiled stuff. So, if you um, would like, I'd recommend looking at engaging in spiritual sexual intimacy because we're so, at a distance right now so that's why i was uh, just wondering oh you can do that too through um you know we are so blessed to have visualization um to have i don't know if you use iphones but facetime or or skype or whatever you're using but being able to share and share what you love about that person share intimacy my favorite memory of you or the things that remind you of me. So, for example, maybe it is um, something even kind of silly. Like, what if it's like a soccer ball? I A soccer ball reminds you of, of me and vice versa. Or being able to, um, this is a, a ritual that I've done with my students, is you take a rose, any flower you want. It doesn't really matter, but I like the rose because the petals are big. And then for every rose I pull off, um, you're supposed to say something that you love about yourself, but you can do that with a partner as well. Oh, 
kind of the um, she loves me, she loves me not. But with a different twist. And then if if you were together, you would take that and you would sprinkle it over your bed. Or if you're um, independent or alone, you could put it in your bath. Could I still do that too, where it's like the rose petals that I have left over after saying the things that I love about him, would I be able to then use those and do a ritual bath to kind of have that connection to him? Yes, absolutely. Yes. If you don't mind me asking, Hmm. um, what is your sun sign? If you don't mind sharing. I am a Sagittarius. Okay, great. So yes, I think that would be a really good thing for you to do, especially because you have, so roses are water. They represent Venus. So I would even add a little bit of a fire element in there, whether you're going to add like a stone like citrine or you're going to add maybe um, a very small amount of essential oil into your bath that includes fire. And what, um, Gerald, is your sun sign? Um, I'm a Capricorn. Okay, so you're Earth. Capricorn Capricorn slash Aquarius. I'm, I'm right on the cusp. Very cool. So the best thing that you could do here is if you wanted to really up your spell, you would want to integrate things that have to do with those two signs. So that would be looking up what are other flowers that are associated with his signs. And then if you want to get really, I don't know how far you guys are, but you could actually bottle that. Because I'm in the States. that's so far you could bottle up just a little bit of that water and send it to him and then he can anoint himself with the um the your essence essentially oh okay that's a good one i think he'd want to have my bath stuff though oh Oh, honey i don't care (laughs) if it's if it's from if it's from you that's fine is it if it's from some random e-girl then no thanks um we'll see what i have that's smelling pleasant you can add (laughs) epsom salts in there as well epsom salts are one of my favorite things to add to ritual baths i have an idea of what i'm gonna do there you go because i have a feeling no spoilers (laughs) yeah you guys can see my face right now my wheels (laughs) in my head are turning I mean, he's an earthy man. He's gonna he's gonna love whatever you give him. So, yeah. Ashley, here's a question: If people want to join your, as I like to say, coven, how can they join your coven? Because I'm really interested in some of your teachings. Thank you. So, I t- I currently have a website. It's called PythianMysterySchool.com. If you just look up my name, Pythian Priestess, it will pop up. And I have over 50 hours of classes, and they are divided into three tiers. So tier one is kind of like intro level, like I don't really know what I'm doing, do I wanna do this? Then we have what I call the core level, which teaches you the basics of how, what is this? What is herbal magic? What is candle magic? And then the more advanced level is when we get into things like deity work, how do I build a ritual, et cetera. This sounds like something I really wanna start doing because like, I'm Native American, and I'm also Mm -hmm. very Irish. I'm very Irish. So I kind of want to start incorporating different pagan Mm -hmm. beliefs, because, like, Fox is very different than me. He's Nordic. He loves his Nordic gods. And Mm -hmm. I kind of want to start branching out and seeing what all there is to offer. 
Oh, well, I'm here for whenever you're ready. You're welcome to send me a message as well afterwards. I'd be happy to talk to you about that. It would be amazing. Yeah, I'm currently working on integrating all of um, all everything that I have into an app, actually. So that's my goal for 2023 is making cool. Yeah, making everything into an app. So, um, but currently it's all uh, hosted on Pithy and Mystery School. It's a learn at your own pace. Each class, um, it includes a 15 minute pre-recorded video and then an hour Zoom class. And then of course I'm available to all of my students for questions. What if we don't have Zoom because it doesn't work on our, because my phone doesn't use Zoom oh, for whatever we reason. And that's one of the reasons I'm going onto the app because the app will automatically have its own live stream. So, and of course we'd make things work for you, but as long as you can view videos, um, you should be able to, to access the core lessons. Hmm. Hmm. Which is a much better Valentine's gift than another box of chocolates. Um, that's what I was saying. Cause like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not into that. My partner can tell you. No, if he got I, me chocolates I or flowers, I would just look at him and hit him in the head with the flowers and be like, you could have gotten me something completely different. I mean, you, you'd keep the chocolates, but... Oh, God, no. <laughs> I'd probably give nope. those to my mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for Valentine's Day, I gave my, my lover a piece of my hair. So he now... And that's like a very sacred gift um, because the Victorians yeah. used to give... Um, hair art to each other and so um, i'm not that a little locket of my hair there you go <laughs> put it in a locket hair art mm-hmm. that's why um honey if you look at the victorian era she is right if you would look at what they would do they would tape in a piece of someone's hair and then on the other side would have a picture of your beloved yeah it's pretty wild oh i remember that i mean i've i've always you know, heard and read in so many places that hair um, can function as some kind of antenna for the divine. There have been mm-hmm. multiple groups in uh, in history, both on the you know the lighter and the darker side, of course, with women who would uh, grow out their hair to like ridiculous lengths. Um, That's what the natives would do: is they they grow their hair because it's a conduit for speaking and honoring their gods is that's why if you back when world war ii was around and they had the um i know this is a completely and utterly different topic no i'm interested but um you know the what was it called the the talkers what was it there's a movie Um, on it i don't know familiar they had the navajo talkers and when they because that's how america won world war ii is they had the navajo speak because mm. no one could crack the code and oh, that's, so that's as better. a native american if you cut your hair it's a sign of mourning the only time you cut your hair is in if you're mourning or something would happen and the thing is that's why when the natives were sent to Catholic schools and they cut their hair, they lost their identity. Oh, yeah. It's funny how in in so many cultures that's that's a thing. Because I even remember one of my 
favorite movies, uh, Shanghai Noon with Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why he was so like, don't touch my hair. Because the thing is, yeah. if you cut your hair, you lose you your identity allowed, and you're, and you're not allowed back in you. the yeah and in the in the movie it was you know he cut his hair and wasn't allowed back as a um a guard or a soldier in the the forbidden city Mm -hmm. so it's it's interesting yeah and hair is something very basic but very very powerful yeah very sacred yeah even in the bible like samson when his hair got he lost all his strength yeah, by a woman, of course. Huh? No, <laughs> no, but it's no, it's true. It's in in so many cultures. Like I mean, with, with a little bit of research, because... I can do a show about just hair. But... Mm-hmm. And that's why you know, I wanted to ask Ashley, and that's why I'm here, is because I want to be able to do, because like Fox and I do rituals together all the time. Because mm-hmm. that's just like something we love to do. And that's where I was like, how can I do Valentine's Day, quote unquote, with my beloved without having to do the modern day take? Like a, a mystic Valentine's. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think there's there's a lot of ways to go with it, too. And it depends on where uh, you're at. Is this an erotic form of expression of love? Or do you want to do a more romantic version expression of love? Or do you want to do like the spiritual expression? All of it. All of it. So something that I find um, very helpful when it comes to having a long distance relationship is whether you have a piece of clothing from that person or something of theirs, it's really important um, to to have and to hold. Now I do have two bracelets that he gave me because like he lost his, but we found this on Etsy. They're bracelets. They're supposed to be long distance relationships. Bracelets, Are they the whatever. touch ones? It's pink and black. So uh, the black bead, bead is supposed to represent it, him. Yeah. And then on his, the pink one represents me. So Aww. whenever you look at your bracelet, you can remember your love. Oh, that's so cool. There's a some American company has a bracelet now that like when you touch it, it will have the other person's uh, bracelet vibrate so they know that you know, you're being touched. That's pretty cool. I really want to do stuff like that where... You can do I, something like that. Um, I don't think those bracelets would be for us because I would be the kind of red to just to keep touching it just to oh. poke her. <laughs> that's the earth sign in you. <laughs> yeah. But, that's where the fire sign in me would be like, that's going in my purse now. <laughs> <laughs> so what I would recommend is like making sure that you or have a bracelet on or have something that is representative of the other person. And then I would want to do um, that ritual we talked about the flower pruning and keeping those roses sacred and then I would also want to do um, a spell to meet each other in our dreams so getting a candle and making the intention so you'd want to get stuff here that's going to be helping you get into that astral plane so mugwort for example would be a, a good one um, and you would sprinkle it around the candle with a sigil underneath with the intention of meeting each other in our dreams we do that all the time he's always here that's awesome so you've already like you've done all the witchy stuff there like that's real cool i mean the thing that we always tell each other is um you know this is gonna be so gross and weird for our viewers but 
something that he always tells me is um, I'll be there soon. And because my vision isn't great on the astral plane, I tell him I'll feel you soon. Because that's how I'm able to know he's there is I can feel him rather than see. I think that's very deeply romantic. Thank you. I appreciate that. Most people think, ew, why would you feel him? Wow. They're they're just not in touch. (laughs) Even at a... uh, at a distance we make it work we have our uh, we have our ways because you know the netherlands and the us it's uh, travel uh, yeah and I like mean, travel first of all is expensive coast. i'm in the uh, middle i'm landlocked yeah i'm smack dab in the middle <laughs> yeah so travel is expensive and i need to have um certain papers of course and need to find a way to um circumvent that or to uh to get those papers without the necessary yes, I procedures i know without the necessary procedures attached to it uh so to speak mm. so yeah that's uh but that's why on the um, on the planes we always always meet each other and love each yeah, other that's there advanced magic you're doing there well and it's interesting because we've done that since day one and the thing is rest her soul um i only got to meet his oma once through Mm. skype and our grandparents actually meet us over there too so it's interesting that we have had our ancestors meet and stein has met my grandparents wow over there so it's interesting that we've done this since day one Mm-hmm. I don't think you need my help. I think you've got it. <laughs> well, I kind of wanted your take because it's different. <laughs> it's different in every vegan aspect too. Right. So I, I would say here, a lock of the hair from both of you, exchange it. And then doing the, whether you do it together or separately, doing the petal, the I love you's, things I love about you. Um, and then whether or not you choose to do the bathwater is up to you. I know that my partner would really like go that. to your parents' house and use their bath for this one, dear. Um, I <laughs> could. It'd be kind of awkward, maybe. Like I'll just <laughs> no. I'll, 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 just I'll explain. My... <laughs> I don't have a tub. I just have a shower. They'd be like, okay. I'll buy my parents a day a day uh, a day out and just you know have the house to myself. They have a big house, <laughs> <and> mul- <laughs> yeah, big house, multiple stories, and like two there fridges, always, always, always filled, um, which are mm. always half empty by the time I leave. <laughs> well, so, it has been such a, a pleasure, like getting to share. Uh, your relationship and and getting to share with all of your listeners, you know, the true meaning behind Valentine's Day and how it has evolved from uh, <laughs> from whacking and, and whipping people into tiny cherubs. And I thank you so much for having me. Of course, thank yeah, you thank, for being here. Yeah, thank you for uh, for coming on. It's been uh, it's been great and very interesting um Mm -hmm. i mean i i've done some research uh myself last year of course but just to get those refreshers and get a little bit uh deeper into it uh just makes me realize how kooky our ancestors really were yeah they were definitely connected to something (laughs) oh yeah 
that they were that they were so yeah thank you so much for um for coming on it's been uh it's been a blast and uh firefay honey thank you for uh for joining uh i mean of course with thank its... you for letting me crash <laughs> of course it was such, it was really nice to meet you and again if you're interested in pithy and mystery school um send me a message instagram gets kind of crazy um so you can go to the website and it will say like contact me and it will send right to my email okay, i'll get that from fox Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. I will. Uh, I will look it up. I will. Uh, I have some links already put up in the description. I'm not sure if it's the, um, the one to your courses yet, but I will look it up. Make sure it's in the description. Uh, okay. Firefay, I'll send you the link, of course. And well, I gotta go check on my puppies because I hear one whining, so I gotta go check uh, on them. It was great, of course, to our viewers hearing the story from you ashley and i hope to connect with you soon i hope so too thank you firefay thank you fox have a beautiful day you too yes you too thank you very much this was and this was the Greyhorn pagans podcast uh, i guess i'm ending it by myself that's perfectly fine this was the Greyhorn pagans podcast with your host stein fox ashley ryan from the occult unveiled podcast and with my valentine Miss Firefay, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. Uh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe if you're listening to this on the audio platforms. Give us a five star rating, it really helps out, it means a lot. And yeah, thank you all. Have a good evening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya. <laughs>